And I'd like you to bow your heads for an opening prayer before we read the word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessing of this day because we know that this is a very special day of the week. This is the seventh day. And this is a blessed day. So when we open your word today, we ask you to send your spirit, the same spirit who inspired all the writers of the Bible. He would inspire our hearts and minds and would help us to understand a very important story in the New Testament about healing. And we might have a very special prayer this morning about healing. There are a few people whom we know would need a divine touch, a divine healing. And up to a certain degree, we all need your healing touch, Lord. So we ask you now to come and talk to our hearts and minds in the name of Jesus. Amen. I found a very interesting story on the internet, a real-life story about forgiveness. Um, the title of my service is, Who Can Forgive Sins? And the story goes like this. It goes back to 2007. There was a cold February night. Chris Williams' car was hit by a drunk driver. And on the back seat, his 11-year-old son and 9-year-old daughter were killed. And he had to watch his wife sitting next to him, dying pregnant woman. And Chris himself was in so much pain that he could barely move his arm to turn off the car's engine. Real life story. But before he was rescued from the car, he had a thought. Whoever has done this to us, I forgive them. And he publicly forgave his family's killer and developed a relationship with him and his family. And as we know today, Chris is a motivational speaker sharing his incredible story of healing and forgiveness. And he is inspiring others to extend mercy and forgiveness as well. And his words go like this. This is my experience with forgiveness. Letting go, moving forward, and being healed. That's forgiveness. Letting go. You, you have to let your emotions go, your hatred maybe. Moving forward and then being healed. So after this story, let's go to an interesting part of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, 
Mark is a very short gospel, and sometimes the stories are very short. But this one is exceptionally long. That's the longest of the same story written by Matthew and Luke. You won't find this story in the Gospel of, of John, but in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. This is in Mark chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1, 1 through 12. This is Mark chapter 2, and verses 1 through 12. It says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Think about this story for a moment. There is a house. Jesus is preaching. There is a big crowd in the house and probably around the house. And all of a sudden they notice something. Something is dropping from the ceiling. And as they were looking up, all of a sudden they saw... Some men, as they opened the roof, they had to break through that roof in order to let this man down to the feet of Jesus. And this was a paralytic. It was a paralyzed person. Could not move. But these four were so determined that they went around the house, they went up to the 
to the attic or to the roof. Uh, break it open and then let this man go down to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus noticed something. And this is lesson number one. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. When he was a sick man, he was hoping to be healed. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Is there any relationship between healing and forgiveness? What do you think? Or can we say to somebody, your sins are forgiven and a person would be healed? Sometimes healing comes first. Sometimes forgiveness. But I just want to repeat the words of this man, Chris um, Williams. He said, my experience with forgiveness, letting go, moving forward, and being healed. Try to imagine this man, he was forgiving to this man who hit his car and killed four of his, his family members. His wife, pregnant, two kids on the, on the back seats. And so he was healed by forgiving. And Jesus healed this man by forgiving. And there is a little detail which I'd like to read before we go into a little deeper study. Because Matthew has something which we can add to this story. And then Luke is having something very interestingly. So please turn with me to the same story in Matthew 9. So from Mark 9, Mark 2, we go to Matthew 9 and verse 4. Matthew 9, verse 4 says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? The sermon is about thinking. And as you remembered a few weeks ago when I started this series, this mini-series, I decided to have two sermons based on Matthew and then two sermons based on Mark. Then we'll be two more based on Luke and maybe two more based on John. About thinking. Mark did not mention this sentence. That Jesus asked these men, why do you think evil? But Matthew recorded it, interestingly enough. And then if you go to Luke 5, let's go to Luke 5 and see his version of the story. At least the very last word, last sentence. This is Luke 5, 
and verse 26. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Is it strange to heal somebody? I don't think so. Is it strange to forgive sins? I don't think so. So what was the strange thing? In the Greek, the term for strange is paradox. We use this term, paradox. What does it mean, paradox? Something is controversial. While Jesus was about to heal a man by forgiving his sins, and all of a sudden there were some who said, this is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What do you think about forgiveness? Can we forgive sins? Or is it true that God alone can forgive sins? Well, in my study Bible, there is an interesting sentence. It says, while any believer may announce God's forgiveness of sin, only God can forgive sin. Would you agree with this sentence? This is a commentary in this Bible. I'll read it again. While any believer may announce God's forgiveness of sin, only God can forgive sin. So the ultimate source of forgiveness is in God, not in us. We pronounce or we announce forgiveness. But the one who is the real forgiver is is God himself. But of course, it was a declaration of the divinity of Jesus. We go back to the story. What did Jesus say? Going back to Mark 2.10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins... He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So there was a declaration of his divinity. The Son of Man has authority, has power to forgive sins. But of course, the big question is, why did Jesus choose to... Forgive first and then heal. What do you think the main need or the great need of this man was? Was it healing? Or was it rather um, forgiveness of sins? Well, forgiveness and, and healing go... Hand in hand. And of course, uh, they didn't understand the nature of Christ. And they said, this is blasphemy. And that was the evil 
way of thinking. They chose to think evil. And the whole situation became very controversial, very paradox. But at the same time, we need to understand something that the purpose of Jesus was to give a true picture of God's character. And there are beautiful promises in the Old Testament. I'd like to read at least two of you, two of, for you, two of them. Psalms 103. Please come with me to Psalms 103, where there is a beautiful promise or, or a chain of promises. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Beautiful promises. We need to bless the name of the Lord because he is good. And he... And never, we should never forget his benefits because he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases and redeems our life from destruction. The true picture of God's character. So Jesus, his purpose, one of his purposes was to show this true picture of the Father's character. And if you read some more verses of the same psalm, Beginning in verse 11, it gives you even wider picture of God's loving kindness. It says, beginning in verse 11 through 14, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. As the father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So we cannot really imagine what is the the great distance between the mercy of God and the way how we show mercy. So the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy towards uh, those who fear him. And then finally, verse 22, same psalm says, Bless the Lord all his work in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So the psalm starts with this sentence, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And it ends with the same sentence, 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. So whenever it comes to healing or forgiveness, we need to repeat and be immersed in that sentence. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's what we can do, what we should do every Sabbath. And there's another verse from the prophets. Uh, This is Isaiah 1 and verse 18. Isaiah uh, chapter 1 and verse 18. It's a very well-known passage. It says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So this is another great promise by God that even if we reason together, the Lord is inviting us to come reason together. What can we offer to him? What can we ask of him? Be merciful to us. And so he is promising that even if it is like scarlet or red like crimson, it's evident that we have sins. It says, it says, it shall be white as snow and shall be as wool. Which means that God is completely erasing sin. That's his purpose. And one more Bible verse from the New Testament, which is, is another beautiful passage. The first letter of John, chapter 1 and verse 9. First letter of John 1 and verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we should never worry about our condition unless we forget to ask for forgiveness. And so this is what the Bible is saying, that he is faithful. Even if we have any trouble confessing, think about God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whatever trouble you have today about sin or about sickness, just think about the goodness of God. He said, come and reason together. If something is so evident that it is red, then you should still come to God because he's ready to forgive. And he is faithful and just according to John, the beloved disciple. He said that this is the nature of Christ. He would like to forgive you. And going back to, to Isaiah for just, just a sentence. Isaiah 55 verse, verse 7. I, I love this, this sentence. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. It says, let the wicked forsake his way. 55, 7. Isaiah 55, 7. 
Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So God is, if, if I may use the term, God is rejoicing when he can forgive. And sometimes we have difficulties to forgive one another. Isn't that strange? And we claim the name of the Lord and we have a difficult time to forgive one another. It says, He will abundantly pardon. So God is, is, is showing mercy beyond our imagination. And God delights in forgiveness. Well, uh, as I was preparing for the sermon, I uh, I consulted with with our one of our best books. This is the Desire of Ages. Have you all read Desire of Ages? It's a beautiful book. If you if you ever need encouragement. If, if you are sick, or if you feel you cannot forgive, or if somebody is not willing to forgive you, just read this book. And I'd like to read a few sentences, if you don't mind, because there is, is a deep insight in this work. And God is giving us some understanding what forgiveness and healing really means and how the two are related. So in this book, uh, Desire of Ages, and beginning, uh, beginning page 266, and then will be 68, 9, and, and then 270. So 266. It says, and this is a general principle, very interesting, very important. When we pray for earthly blessings, the answer to our prayer may be delayed, or God may give us something other than, than we ask. But not so when we ask for deliverance from sin. It is His will to cleanse us from sin, to make us his children, and to enable us to live a holy life. So when we ask for forgiveness, God is, is immediately willing to give it. While sometimes when he asks for other uh, things in life, earthly things, uh, it says that uh, his answer may be delayed. Lesson number two is, about this paralytic person. Ellen White says that like the leper, this paralytic had lost all hope of recovery. His disease was the result of a life of sin. But I need to tell you something. Not every sickness is a result of personal sin. 
There are cases, especially in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, when we read the story about the man who was born blind. And even the disciples of Jesus were confused and they asked the Master, Who sinned? This man or or it was, was one of his parents? Or maybe both parents? And Jesus said, No, no, no. This is a different story. So sometimes we don't have to see a connection between things because these are all in God's hands. But in this case, Ellen White is writing that he had a sinful life and he lost almost all hope. His sufferings were embittered by remorse. And the next sentence is is amazing. She says, he had long before appealed to the Pharisees and doctors hoping for relief from mental suffering and physical pain. But they coldly pronounced him incurable and abandoned him to the wrath of God. God never calls anyone to be incurable. This is just a human term. And the next next lesson is, yet it was not physical restoration he desired so much as relief from the burden of sin. If he could see Jesus and receive the assurance of forgiveness and peace with heaven, he would be content to live or die according to God's will. The cry of the dying man was, Oh, that I might come into his presence. There was no time to lose. Already his wasted flesh was showing signs of decay. He was a walking dead. Next lesson is very interesting. It says, At his suggestion... His friends bore him to the top of the house and breaking up the roof, let him down at the feet of Jesus. The Savior looked upon the mournful countenance and saw the pleading eyes fixed upon him. He understood the case. He had drawn to himself that perplexed and doubting spirit. While the paralytic was yet at home, the Savior had brought conviction to his conscience. What nobody knew about Jesus, that he saw this man before he knew, he convinced him while he was still at home. And he was drawing this man to himself. And it's so sad that there were some who said, blasphemy. And this is incurable. But this man was so determined that he convinced his friends to take him to Jesus. Because he could not walk. He probably had a stroke, using a modern term. He was paralyzed. He was a paralytic. He had no way to move. He needed friends. And it's so good. I need to tell you, so good when you have friends. Who can carry you to Jesus. 
and be thankful for your friends. If you have friends who can carry you, you can convince them to help you to come closer to Jesus. So he convinced his friends. And so they took him. And it says, Now in the words that fell like music on the sufferer's ear, the Savior said, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven you. So that was like music, music therapy, if you will. And then, what is, is, is the final lesson for all of us? It required nothing less than creative power to restore health to that decaying body. The same voice that spoke life to man created from the dust of the earth had spoken life to the dying paralytic. The same creative power and the same power that gave life to the body had renewed the heart. So the paralytic found in Christ healing for both the soul and the body. The spiritual healing was followed by physical restoration. This lesson should not be overlooked. There are today thousands suffering from physical disease who, like the paralytic, are longing for the message, Thy sins are forgiven. The peace with which he alone can give would impart vigor to the mind and health to the body. And finally, there is a, is a warning here on page 271. It says, physical disease, however malignant and deep-seated, was healed by the power of Christ. But the disease of the soul took a firmer hold upon those who closed their eyes against the light. Leprosy and palsy were not so terrible as bigotry and unbelief. Which is amazing that sometimes spiritual condition is worse than physical. And so when, when Jesus is willing to help you, you can bring all your diseases. You can bring all your mental anguish. Maybe your unbelief or any doubt, you can bring all those things to Jesus for healing. And I'd like to finish by reading another beautiful promise, which is found in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and beginning in verse 15, it says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. 
Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission or forgiveness of sin of these, there is no longer of an offering for sin. The Jews only understood sin when they had to take an offering. They had to sacrifice something, an animal. That was their understanding of remission of sins. But the Bible says where there is remission of these, meaning lawless deeds or iniquities, then there is no need for an offering. But there is a need for offering prayer. And as I was thinking of this story and thinking of other people whom we know, God impressed my my mind and heart. And I'd like to offer a very special prayer for healing. So if you don't mind, would you stand with me? for a prayer we could offer this prayer for ourselves if we need healing or forgiveness or we can offer this prayer for everyone whom we know struggling with sickness dear heavenly father we just want to come to your presence and reading this story about Jesus who was willing to forgive. Although there were some who said this is blasphemy. But Jesus wanted to show that that's his character. Or that's the character of the Father. And he was willing to heal this man by forgiving. And we know, Lord, that sometimes there is no connection between sin and suffering. Sometimes there is. And since we don't know all these details, we just want to bring a few people to you. First of all, Lord, we want to remember Jeannie. And we know that she is struggling. And the whole family is struggling with her. Humanly speaking, there is no hope. But for you, there is no hopeless situation. So we pray for your will, that it would be done. And if it is healing, then let it be. If it is something else, then... Help us to accept it. And Lord, we want to remember one of our members at the Sandusky Church. She has a teenage granddaughter. And the grandmother asked us to pray for her because this young girl has some kind of mental disorder. She has thoughts of committing suicide. 
And we know, Lord, that there are other people in our church or churches. They are struggling with humanly expressing incurable diseases. But there is not such for you. And so we want to bring our little Lily to you again. She needs a divine touch. And we, we know, Lord, that she needs this creative power which we've just read about. The same power that created out of nothing, that created humans out of dust. You can recreate her body. And you can recreate our bodies if you are struggling. If Martha, my wife, is struggling with something, I want to pray for her too. And although I don't know all those who are sick in this church, we want to pray for them. This is a time when we need to turn to you, asking for forgiveness, if that's what we need, but also asking for healing. Maybe the two are related. So please bless us, Lord, as we bow our heads before you and accept the prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated.